0: Welcome to The Pain of Scale, the Notion podcast exploring the most critical challenges for venture-backed tech entrepreneurs along the startup, grow-up, and scale-up journey. Every two weeks, we speak to founders, experts, and venture capitalists from around the world about their experiences. Hello, I'm Paul. I'm with Stephen, and we're still running our Pain of Scale episodes recorded before COVID-19. Today's episode was recorded on January 21st with Matt Welle. I love that episode, Stephen. I love that episode because he says something about staying uncomfortable. And for me, there's something that defines me as embracing discomfort. That's why I have a peculiar love for this episode.
1: Yeah, you know, Matt's one of my absolute favorite. People, I, I love spending time with with him and, and his co-founder Richard Richard Velter, and the company they built is is extraordinary. He's the co-founder of Muse. It's a hotel property management system. I mean, they were flying. Yeah, you know, they were flying going into twenty nineteen. The business was founded actually in twenty thirteen. I mean, building a PMS is no mean feat, but they built a product that was really distinctive and we led the series a in 2018 and then they had a big series b in um latter parts of 2019 so the good thing is they're well capitalized but yeah when we were talking to him they were flying
0: we will have richard actually on the reimagining season which is upcoming at the end of june That would be very interesting to see how a startup working in the hospitality industry, which is the hardest or at least one of the hardest hit by the current coronavirus crisis, how they've reimagined their business model, their future. That would be fascinating. I, I can't wait. So let's go. Let's listen to Matt. And we are back for episode two of series four. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm very, very good. Leadership is it today, correct? Yeah. So that's the topic for
1: discussion. You know, what it is, it's incredible importance in super fast growth companies and in particular in the context of fast growth, how leaders can evolve to keep pace with uh, the exponential change within their business. Our guest today is Matt Weller. And Matt is the co-founder and CEO of Muse Systems. Muse is based in Prague, provides a hospitality platform for thousands of hotels around the world, and really bringing a much-needed innovation to the hotel industry. It's hard to be entirely certain, but I've got to believe that Muse is one of the fastest growing SaaS companies in Europe today. Matt might have an interesting perspective on that. He's had an incredible background. He spent ten years on the management fast track at Hilton until he met his co-founder of Muse Systems, Richard Valter. And Richard, I think, Matt, he sold you on his vision, didn't he, for a transformational hotel experience and property management system. And you joined him in 2017 as the CEO. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: And I believe that today you're not in Prague as your base usually, but you are in a hotel, uh, obviously, <laughs> in Madrid.
2: I am like it's. I find myself in a different hotel every week at the moment because of the
0: growth. We've got we've
2: opened about ten offices in the last year, so I'm trying to be everywhere and and, and nowhere at the same time. Today I'm in Madrid.
0: I'm actually looking <laughs> forward to this conversation because I've to Stephen. I had a short career in hospitality, so I'll be listening in with a lot of intensity to see how uh, disruptive you are going to be. So, Stephen, I'll I'll let you go on with the conversation.
1: First of all, Matt, for a bit of context, one of the fastest growing companies in Europe. Do you have a perspective on that? Well, I'd like to agree with you. I I don't know if that's true. I
2: I don't know the numbers of other companies, but we are definitely growing faster than than I'd ever imagined it would be. Um, Like we started 2019 with about 170 employees and, and we're today at about 400. So we are definitely growing at an incredibly rapid pace,
1: which is exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. So look, let's kind of strip it back. What does leadership mean to you, Matt?
2: It's been evolving, I guess, over time. Like I've always wanted to be working in hotels and and manage people. I've always been very good at kind of finding talent in people and trying to figure out how do we get people to focus on those talents and, and really deliver value. And for me, it's really been about honing into that emotional intelligence Because I'm not a specialist in any field. Like I'm, I'm pretty average in pretty much everything. But because I can basically be average in everything, I can talk about most things. And I can use that with emotional intelligence to really focus on the people that have the talent to actually deliver it and then drive better performance there. I think what I've been lucky with is that I have this ability to just adapt constantly to new situations, which happens in a startup that moves into a scale-up situation. You know, if we look back six, seven years ago when we started, you know, we were selling, we were implementing, I was doing support, I was doing night support. You're so involved in every single thing that has to happen. And then as the company grows, suddenly, you know, you, you're managing people or you're managing people who manage people. And you need to have this ability to really adapt constantly and, and thrive on it. I enjoy doing something different today than I did yesterday, but it's not for everyone. You have to really have that right personality, I think, for it. I'm very sarcastic, but I'm also very, I will admit very quickly if I make a failure and I admit that openly, and then we debate it. You know, if, if, if someone in our leadership makes a mistake, we will call it out. We'll debate it. We won't hone in on that particular person but we'll talk about the situation and ensure that that never happens and i think that's again goes back to emotional intelligence this admission to failure throughout the journey um, because it's okay it's okay to make mistakes as long as you you know you call each other out on it and then have a safe space to correct it going forward.
1: You know, I I don't recognize anything average in in you. Um, (laughs) And I think what you you do do some commonplace things uncommonly well, and that is about understanding people and understanding how to get the very best out of them. And that, that is not average by any means. You said you're more than 400 people now, up from 190 in 2019. I think when we first met just over two years ago, so kind of December... 2017 you were less than 50 people now more than 400 obviously the organization has changed a lot but how have you if i can use the word coped and then how have you changed through that time period
2: so when i think we were presenting the budget to notion uh, and pitching to you guys we had projected that growth But, you know, when you're in that moment, you think like, oh, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I I remember when we were 50 people and I knew that within that year, we were going to be 100. And we actually ended up with 150 that year. I felt like, hey, we were very resistant to HR because I only had really bureaucratic experiences with human resources team in hotels. And we'd just been resistant to having a HR force. But I did feel like because of my lack of great experience in that area, I just joined a community because I just didn't feel I was ready to scale up and I joined a HR community that I found in Prague. And I just, once every three weeks, I would join this community and sit in a room with kind of the HR heads of big companies in Prague. And I just switch off my brain and just think about, you know, scaling the people. And that really gave me a lot In the end, I ended up finding our head of people there. We hired a few people actually through that community just because it's a very unique group of people. So for me, it was figuring out, hey, I've got a lack of knowledge. So let me educate myself by joining this community and actually really debating what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. Like looking at these big corporates and the things that didn't excite me gives me great insights on what I shouldn't be doing. The one thing we've really focused in on in the last two years has been game changers. And that's a word that I've heard at Notion a lot. Like you guys repeat that all the time. Like where are your game changers? And we really put recruiters on finding these people that were able to accelerate our business from the series a that we're in when we closed with you to the series kind of C and people that have been in that journey before who, who kind of have the answers ready rather than us Googling our way through life and hiring some of those really key people in our business have accelerated the level of growth that we were able to tackle. If I were to just retain with the, the core people that we started the company with, we probably wouldn't have scaled at the pace we would have because we just didn't know. And, you know, you can only Google so much in life before you hit a roadblock.
1: <laughs> you don't have the time to learn in many situations. And therefore, you need to have bringing in people who've encountered the problems you're about to encounter before. And I think that's one of the most profound benefits of bringing in experienced people. What about your kind of journey from being a kind of co-founder to now being a CEO of a 400-person business? Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and, and how that's progressed?
2: Sure. Like I said, like in the early days, you, you end up doing everything. And I, I thrive on that. Like I'm very good at doing things, testing the system. You know, I'm great with customers. I enjoy those conversations. But as you grow, you just can't. I remember a few years into the journey, I had this headache that wouldn't go away for a few weeks. And then Richard, he's like, I think we need to go, you know, get you to the hospital and just check it out. And, you know, they did a CAT scan and and they're like, you're actually completely fine. You just need to work less. And I think that was really the point where I was like, okay, you know, I'm not scalable as a person and I've got to trust others to step in and do that. That was really a pivotal moment for me from going to startup to professionalizing the business and moving into a scale up where we just hired people to do the jobs you know, that I was trying to do in my every hour in a day. And it was hard for me to give away that trust because I knew that if I was going to get support, I was going to give the best support ever, but that just didn't scale. And, and we just found really phenomenal talent. Like we hired in a lady, Theodora, who joined our support team a few years ago, and she's just been incredible giving support much better than I would have been. I think part of it is admitting that I'm not the best at everything and that it's okay to let other people do those jobs and, and then the, giving them the trust to actually do that. That was probably the biggest learning for me as a CEO, going from being a manager to a real leader going forward.
1: You have to be willing to let go, don't you? Yeah, truly. And
2: it is still it still terrifies me, right? I still... I want to control everything. I have this controlling aspect, like I'm a Germanic person. I like structure and organization. And part of that is control. And it's probably my biggest struggle today, letting go and knowing that it will be okay in the end. It might not be as great as I want it to be, but it will be okay.
1: You know, I've seen your business when I've spent time in Prague. You know, as an outsider looking in, it, it seems you've developed a culture that is both transparent, you know, so everybody really knows what's, what's going on and there's kind of open communication. Very supportive, and I've seen those kind of working practices at Muse where people are kind of pulling for each other, but also highly competitive. And I thought that was, that's quite intriguing. Am I kind of just plucking those words out of the ether? Um, you are. It's uh, a horrible company. It's a whole <laughs> We're not like that at all. How did that happen? Was it was it deliberate or intentional?
2: Well, I guess it, it definitely wasn't deliberate. Like we just went about our day and then you reach a point where, you know, we just had fun. Sure, we had some really, really hard times along the way. You know, we, we were in Czech Republic and it was hard to find funding and we ran out of money. And sometimes we, we didn't pay the guys for two, three months, which is really rough on us but we believe we're going to change the industry. And it's that ambition that people rallied behind. We got lucky and, and uh, Scott, our COO, he doesn't always agree when I said, like, oh, we just got lucky with the right hires. You know, he came in three years ago and he's like, the focus, the relentless focus we have is unique. And for me, that's just natural because we've grown this business from day one and, you know, we just want to win. And he's like, no, it's not unique. I've been in other companies and the focus that you have to win is incredible. Yeah. And you don't accept mediocrity. And if you see it, you will call it out and either fix it or you have to make sure that it gets solved in some way. We don't always see it. And it's great to have these outsiders come in and then say, you know, actually, this is quite special, this focus on quality and and, and growth that you have. I think the supportive element of everything with Richard, we were friends way before we started this company and we disagree vehemently on pretty much everything But that's a good thing. Like, I think he has a very different focus on ideas. And then, you know, when we're in a room, we will fight. We will battle out our ideas. But we will always walk away like brothers because we know that we both have good insights and it makes the company better. And it's because we try and really show the right example that it kind of has leaked into the culture. Hopefully, I, I think it has which is exciting. And, and me and Richard, we just have a lot of fun. And we have a really sarcastic sense of humor and that kind of feeds mm. into the culture, I think.
1: I can see that. And I mean, one of the things that I find quite fascinating about, um, well, technology businesses in general, but yours in, in particular as well, is where organizations can maintain that fast growth through a combination of, you know, some real operational excellence. You know, you really get stuff done, but with a culture of kind of innovation, And, you know, very few companies can pull those things off at scale because they're they're both very, very hard to do. How do you go about creating that environment? I I recognize it comes from a combination of you and Richard, but it absolutely ripples down through the business. Finding the perfect mix of founders, I think. Like, Like, I am
2: very good at operational excellence. Like, I thrive on procedures and making sure that everything's followed up on and I don't miss, you know, meetings. I'm always there. And Richard is the absolute opposite. Like he reads the entire internet every night. And then he comes in the morning with all the great ideas that he's read about. And, you know, not all of them make it to the front line, but there's some phenomenal ideas in there. Some of the best products we have today come from the ideas that he's brought into the room that I rejected at the get-go, right? So he will have this great idea. I'm like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that but he will persist. I know if the idea kind of persists and he keeps talking about it, that I know I need to focus on it. And some of the ideas that he's had in the early days, we, you know, it took us maybe two years to adopt. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, he did see this and he did say this. And I rejected it from the get-go. And it's having a space where you can have these great ideas and debate them until the time is right to actually implement them. And I think it's the mix of me and Richard that made our company unique. I think it's a
1: really good, it's a really interesting point that, you know, you, um, you've got to insulate the operational side of the business from the, the kind of disruption of, of the innovation, but you've got to be able to foster the innovation at the same time and actually yeah. finding then the point at which those two things can kind of intersect. And you can say, ah, now's the right time for yeah. us to introduce that into the, the operational side of the business.
2: And we read this book recently, The Loon Shots Idea, we love that book. So Richard read it and he came back from Holland. And he, Richard reads about a book a week, I feel, and then he goes on Amazon and buys 20 and sends them around the company. And this one really persisted. And we've taken that and created separate budgets. So every leader gets to have a loon shop project where they get to cultivate one of their great ideas. And, and there's a budget for two, three people that you can hire into that. And we've got some really exciting things going on. You know, some of them may, may not work out at all and that's okay. But if it does work out, that could be a real winner for us as a company. We thought that that was a really great way to cultivate some of the ideas that if you were just looking at operational excellence, they wouldn't survive because we might not have found a revenue source to it or, you know, we just get shut down. And this Loon Shots allows leaders kind of the space to create their own
1: projects on the side. He infected me with that one as well. (laughs) Many of the books I've read in the last couple of years are ones that have come from his recommendations. Maybe if we just take it back a little bit. I'm just wondering if you were going back three, four, five years, are there any particular things you you would do differently, do you think?
2: This is a hard question for me because I always think that I don't make mistakes. But I guess if I now look in hindsight... I'm like, right, we underinvested into marketing. So we, we just hired our uh, chief marketing officer and we're really scaling already and, and marketing has been lagging behind. And I think we should have looked at that area earlier because we were doing a lot of blog posts and putting content out there, but we were not thinking at funnels and how do we drive more traffic into the pipelines of our salespeople. And so it's professionalizing marketing earlier. And on the sales side, a roadblock that we're hitting today is sales enablement training. We hired people in 10 countries on the ground, and then we don't have a great sales enablement program in place to make sure that they are successful on the ground. And that's been a learning that I've taken recently. And I'm like, oh, if I could go back two, three years, I probably would have spent more time on making sure we've got the basics in those two areas, right? So that when we start scaling, that we hit the nail on the head. And I think those are the two areas that that at the moment get called out a lot internally.
1: And advice that you'd give founder CEOs on on kind of similar journeys?
2: I guess one of mine is be uncomfortable.
1: Like I like to be
2: very comfortable, but like what's good with Richard is he pushes me out of my comfort zone constantly. And I probably do that with him in some sense as well. And that does drive me to do better in my job. One thing I always do is think about, is it scalable? Is there a revenue model behind it? So whenever we debate products or, or what we should be building inside the product, I always think, well, is this going to drive more revenue and, and always have that at the forefront of your mind without you know, seeming like a money wolf? I actually just want to make sure that whatever we spend time building, it's a scalable product. And it's not just a nice little product that we do on the side. There has to be a logic behind why you're wasting money on that. Yeah, I think those are kind of the two areas that I would say.
1: And just kind of lastly, kind of projecting forward. I mean, I I know you've you've got some incredibly ambitious plans, almost 40 to 400 people in kind of three years. Another three years, where do you think you'll be? I find that a very hard question.
2: Like I'm happy right now and I've been happy throughout the journey, but I'm probably happier now than I've been before because I've been able to prioritize the balance in my life. Because of the madness I do choose sleep and exercise and well, food. I've made bad decisions on food, but like (laughs) um, generally sleep and exercise are really critical to me. And through that, I found a balance and I'm hoping that I'm able to scale that to the next size of the company to really say no to enough ideas to allow myself to be scalable one of my concerns is am I scalable to that size? I currently do think I am but like I'd have to constantly get out of my comfort zone to make sure that I keep improving keep reading up on things and be open to fail a few times along the way so I'm hoping that I'll be around and performing at the same levels as I am in three years time than I am today.
1: I love that idea of making yourself slightly uncomfortable by feeling that actually you you do need to to grow and evolve and and, yeah keep changing that's a great kind of discipline and and that kind of restlessness isn't there that that says i might think i'm i'm doing well but actually we need to do a lot better and that requires constant change
2: yeah like and i, and I have this innate feeling of boredom generally right so if i've done something before and I have to do two or the third time, I'm like, I've been here, like surely there must be a way to automate this or to do it better. And I get restless very quickly. And I think that's a good thing in a scaling company. You know, if, if our growth were to stagnate, I don't know how well I'd perform if we were to become a company that is kind of, you know, muddling along, I think I'd get bored and I thrive on the constant change and the constant growth, but it does require a certain personality for that, I think.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. Well, I, I'm excited to see um, what the next three, four years will bring. And, and I can only say how much I've, I've enjoyed working with, watching and, and learning from you guys over the last few years. So next few
0: years should be fascinating. I think so. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Remember, you can find an in-depth write-up of this interview, along with the dozens and dozens we've done, on the Notion website at notion.vc under resources. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and Google Podcast. Thank you.